And so today we're finishing up our preaching verse by verse through the epistle to the Colossians. So we're in Colossians chapter 4. I finished, I, I, I entitled this message, Finishing Well. Because in this passage, uh, Paul is finishing the letter well. He finishes life well. But I think he's giving us some instructions on how we can finish this race that we're in. Some people might say this rat race that we're in. Uh, finishing it well for the Lord. So take your Bible, please, and turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. And I'm looking forward to the baby dedication after this. It's going to be a great time. Colossians 4. These are the final verses of this epistle. Starting at verse number 15. Paul writes, Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Father, Lord God, may your word come alive in our heart and our hearts and in our spirits today. May your Holy Spirit take this message and this passage and bring something to life within each and every one of us. Lord, let each and every one hear something that we need to hear and apply to our lives today. Father, as we often pray in the process of preaching the word of God, we pray, Lord, that you will be glorified and your church will be edified and built up. So speak, O God, through your word today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, I was thinking back that we started this study in Colossians on August the 7th, last summer. And so every Sunday, we had a few visitors in between then, but basically that whole time was spent in the book of Colossians. Now next week, just so you know, little heads up, I've invited a missionary friend to come speak to us. His name is Ray Monroe. And uh, two weeks from now, we'll be starting another epistle, which I'm going to hold off for another week before I announce what that's going to be. But we'll get back into another epistle. But the Holy Spirit definitely has a way to make the Word of God applicable in our present situation, and our present generation. Um, I, I would like to encourage some of you, perhaps, to check out our website. Go back and listen to some of the sermons. The sermon notes are on the website as well. And let the Word of God penetrate your hearts. The last couple of Sundays, I started the message, messages by saying, uh, this Word is not for anyone in particular. It's for all of us in general. And so nothing is said to single anybody out, but it's just the Word of God. Um, so here we are. And if you look back, in, starting at verse number 7, uh, this is where we started with all the, all the tricky names, if you remember. Uh, Tychicus and Onesimus. In verse 10, Aristarchus and Mark is there, the cousin of Barnabas. Jesus, who's called Justice. And then down to uh, 12, Epaphras. And uh, verse 14, Luke and Demas. And then today we're looking at uh, Nymphos and Archippus. And I just want to say for a moment here, Paul is singling out his leaders, his co-workers, his friends in ministry. And um, leadership, we had our, a leadership meeting last Sunday, which was really good. 
But leadership is sometimes a tricky thing. Because the word tells us, you know, repeatedly that leaders are humble servants. We follow Jesus' example to be humbly serve the Lord. Um, and not to, not to be proud or boastful about it. Be humble and unassuming. But on, on the other hand, Paul does say in different passages of scripture to, to honor leaders and to, and to uh, respect leaders and to obey the leaders. And I think there's a healthy tension sometimes within the body of Christ regarding leaders and the congregation. Leaders serve, but leaders are to be respected as well. And so in Colossians 4, Paul is recognizing uh, in a humble way those dear leaders that have stuck with them through all their trials and, and uh, struggles. Now they're in prison and... Um, He's just encouraging people to greet them, and they're greeting the church at Colossae and so forth. I think uh, we could say that the point is, no matter what's going on with us personally, we can learn from Paul's example. Now, he's in prison writing these words. We can say, you know what, no matter what's going on with us, we've got to be encouraging Helpful, positive, uh, praying for one another, encouraging one another. And um, I think that these verses that we've been looking at in chapter 4 are very practical. And I say practical because um, we live in a day when there's so much going on. I don't know if you follow all the news that's going on, but uh, COVID is basically phasing out. But now a new thing is coming in, uh, the, uh, the norovirus the ecological problems, the economic problems, the mass shootings, the, the turmoil all around us, the political issues, the stresses of life. In the midst of all of this, we hear these reports of revival breaking out in Kentucky. We have one of our young ladies from this church that just recently graduated from North Point. She's now going to seminary at that school, the Asbury Theological Seminary. There's a seminary and a college. But on the college campus, there's revival breaking out. And I can't help but think that that's no coincidence that God is doing something simply to remind everybody that he's here with us. You know, we hear all these bad things on the news. It's very depression, depression and, and disheartening if you think about it. But there's conflict everywhere. And now, all of a sudden, well, two weeks ago now, revival's breaking out. And what I mean is, now some of you may remember the Brownsville revival in Pensacola, Florida in the 90s. We went there a few times. We had to wait in line to get into the church from like 8 o'clock in the morning for a 7 o'clock evening service with 4,000 people. And now at this small college, I don't know how many of the auditorium seats, maybe 1,000 or maybe 1,500 people. People are waiting outside all night long. They have, they have TV screens outside in different buildings. There's people coming from other states and other colleges. There's a hunger in people's hearts for God. Because this life is draining everybody. Can I get an amen? You, you, know, it's, you know it's true. I mean, just the way we worship today is telling me there's a hunger in people's hearts to meet the living and true God. And so I think that as we get into these verse-by-verse study of, of the Word, I think there's some really important things here for us today. I want to I finish this sermon by giving you four ideas uh, for how we can finish this race well. But first of all, I want to go through this verse-by-verse. Verse. Let's do that. Starting at verse number 15. He says, Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea. I, I said this last week, and I've been saying this for years anyway, 
But a greeting is so important for people. Personally, I love when people say hello to me. I get a little little worried when somebody doesn't say hello to me. But I, I feel like you know he's saying greet this one. If you look back, greet this one, greet that one. We greet you. And now he's saying greet the brethren up in Laodicea. Uh, I, I say it like this. A greeting could make or break someone's day. Um, and Laodicea, there's like a tri-city area. There's Laodicea, there's Colossae, and there's Ephesus. So they're all together. They all kind of inter- intermingle together. Uh, we don't know too much about Laodicea, but we know this. In Revelation chapter 1, the church of Laodicea was one of the churches, uh, one of the seven churches that Jesus addressed uh, regarding their condition. Now, if we were to get into that aspect of it, did I say we're in 60 A.D. right now? This is where we're in 60 A.D. But if we were to fast forward to 95 A.D., the church of Laodicea has some really serious problems. The Lord called them out. He said, you act like you're rich and you have everything. You may have money and prosperity, but you're wretched and poor and you're blind and you're neither hot nor cold. He said, I would prefer that you were hot or cold. You're lukewarm and I'll spit you out of my mouth. But here, here in 60 AD, we kind of have a preliminary glimpse that the church of Laodicea is basically okay. But this tells me something. In the passing of time, and you may see it in your life, you may see it in a church's life, you may see it in a, in a movement. It, it comes and it goes. You, you press in and then you kind of walk away. I can't tell you how many people I've seen be on fire for the Lord for a season. And then after a while, something happens and they get discouraged and they, the fire goes out and they walk away. I've seen churches once on fire for God. Now barely making it, you know, barely making it as, as people have come and gone and changed and, and the, the atmosphere is different. But anyway, this church of Laodicea right now is a pretty good church. He's saying, uh, greet them, greet Nymphos. Here's another person, Nymphos, uh, and the church that is in his house. Um, the home churches were fairly common in those days. They didn't have what we have today, like a nice building to go to and so forth. We see in, in Acts chapter 2 that the church, after the day of Pentecost, they went from house to house breaking bread together. We see in 1 Corinthians 16, Priscilla and Aquila had a house church. We see in Philemon verse 2 that he had a, a house church as well where people would gather and get together and pray and share testimonies and break bread together. And this is the forerunner of the modern church. So he says in verse number 15, greet, greet the brethren that are in Laodicea. And greet, singling out this one person, Nymphos and the church that is in his house. In verse 16 we continue. It says, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans. And let their epistle be read to you as well. And Paul is encouraging the Colossians to share this epistle that he wrote to them with the other believers in Laodicea. The only problem with that is that there's no record that the Laodiceans had an epistle. So scholars will say that, well, they had the epistle that was written to the Ephesians because all the epistles were shared among the churches. So he's saying, okay, get that epistle that the Laodiceans have and you, you get it and you study it and you read it. But this, this raised a question in my mind. 
I wondered if Paul thought that his epistles were inspired and if his epistles were classified as scripture. He says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, for rebuke, for correction, uh, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, ready for all good works. But we see some other glimpses in some of his writings. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, For this reason also we give thanks to God without ceasing. For when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. So he was believing what he was proclaiming was the word of God. We read in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 2, 4. Uh, you may remember this. He was in Athens and he was saying, uh, my speech was not in the, the power of human wisdom and understanding, but my speech was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I wasn't speaking in regular, you know, regular way. I was speaking under an anointing of the spirit. And second, Peter, Peter tells us that all the scriptures and all the prophets were, were writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I, I think we, it would be safe to say, verse number 16, that Paul is saying, get, take my epistle, share it with the church over there, get the epistle that they have so you could get something out of it. I think he was thinking that this is an inspired word from God. I mean, look, we think that, don't we? Amen. I absolutely think that. This is the inspired word of God. It's just that back then it was just beginning. Verse number 17. Remember the story of John Mark last week? There were special instructions for John Mark in verse number 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. You tell John Mark, right? You, you, you see him. He, he has special instructions. We talked all about that last week. But here we see, we see Archippus. You say to Archippus, I just find this kind of uh, enlightening. He waits till the very end of the epistle to single out this one guy. How would you feel if that was you? If you're singled out in this one letter, you tell Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And I, I wonder, you know, what is with Archippus? Just like I wondered what was with John Mark in verse number 10. Well, we don't know a whole lot about Archippus, but in Philemon 2, we see he's, a, he's affiliated with Philemon. He's affiliated with another lady named Athea. He's referred to as a fellow soldier of Paul's. So knowing that, I think that we can kind of say that Archippus was a soldier in Christ. A prayer warrior. Someone who fought the good fight. Someone that Paul could depend on. And I find it interesting, he's saying right here in verse 17, you tell him, take heed to your ministry. Remember your ministry. Don't forget, wake up, shake off the doldrums, whatever's going on in your heart. Get back on track and remember your calling and your passion and your purpose. I wonder if that speaks to anybody today. Don't raise your hand, but I just wonder if somebody here today is feeling a little discouraged. And the Holy Spirit would say to you, take heed to your calling. Because your ministry did not come from Paul or Timothy or Silas or Barnabas. Your ministry came from God Almighty. Your ministry was birthed by the Holy Spirit. You can't just put that aside and say, oh, I'll do that later. No, when that's on you, you'll never feel complete. You'll never feel content unless you follow through with that calling on your life. 
And he says at the end of verse 17, he says, fulfill your calling. Do it. Don't just talk about it or don't reminisce about how it used to be. Complete the task. Don't doubt. Don't let doubting voices get into your mind and in your spirit. Don't let uh, circumstances dictate how you're going to feel about it. Uh, don't quit. Don't run away. Don't leave. Don't give Satan a victory. But Archippus, finish your ministry. You know, I remember this scripture so many years ago. My pastor at the time, I was a new Christian. He just spoke for maybe two minutes on this one scripture. I'll never forget the impact that that one little bit had on my life. Just fulfill what God called you to do. That has carried me through many, many years of ministry. Just do what you're supposed to do. But see, that applies to all of us. Whatever you're supposed to do, do it with all your heart for the glory of God. Don't be, see, to me, I look at this verse 17, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, what Paul is really saying here, or maybe what the Holy Spirit is saying here, is don't be a Demas. Remember Demas? He forsook us. He went back to Thessalonica. He left the ministry. Be like a John Mark. He, he had a rough beginning, but he got straightened out. Archippus, don't be a statistic. Get on track. And then he says, uh, in verse number 18, he says, this salutation by my own hand, Paul. That's because in those days, Paul and Peter had one. They had scribes that they would dictate to. But at the end of the letter, they would write themselves and sign their name to it. And, and Paul is saying, this salutation by my own hand, Paul. And then he says this three words, remember my chains. Remember my chains. I think by saying that, he's reminding everyone, remember to pray for, for me and my friends that are in jail in Rome. If you look back at chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, we looked at it a few weeks ago. Praying for us also that God would open up a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for, for which I am called or I'm also in chains, that I may make it, I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. I think he's saying, remember my chains. That even in my chains, pray to God that I'll, I'll have an opportunity to speak the words of the gospel. But I think, I mean, maybe I'm looking into this a little bit, but I think that maybe Paul is saying, remember my chains. Remember the beatings I've taken. Remember the stripes on my back. Remember, I'm in pain a lot. Remember, I'm in this dingy old prison cell, and it's not nice. Remember my chains and pray for me. Pray for my spiritual health. Pray for my physical health. Pray for my emotional health. Pray that I would keep on track with what I have to do. And this tells me something really important about no matter how far you get in the Lord, you always need people praying for you. Absolutely. You need people praying for you all the time. It's not just for the leaders, for every one of us. We need our prayer partners to rise up and get committed and get praying. And then he says, uh, grace be with you. I like that so much. Unmerited favor and blessing be on you. As opposed to mercy. Mercy is the uh, unmerited uh, freedom from penalty. Mercy is different than grace. Mercy is what you don't get. Grace is what you do get. 
But may, may the grace of God be with you. And he says, amen and amen and amen. And so this concludes uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. And uh, I said earlier that Paul uh, finished well this segment of his life. You know, he wrote, he wrote four epistles while he was in jail. He wrote to the Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, and Philemon. And his letters were uh, punctuated with themes of love, grace, encouragement to all the believers. And he's in a jail cell. We could learn a lot from that. But also, we know that he, at the end of his life, that he fought the good fight. He kept the faith. He ran the race with endurance. He finished well. And I don't know about you, and it's not just because I was feeling kind of lousy yesterday, but sooner or later, the end's going to come. Either Jesus is going to return, or we're going to meet the Lord one way or the other. Amen? And I, for me, I want to finish well. I don't want to be like one of these guys, like, you know, you see this a lot in sports. You know, someone comes on the scene, on the sports scene, and they are really good at what they do. You know, they're young, and they're strong, and they're healthy, and they're making all these records. And, and maybe, you know, at the end, they, they just kind of run out of steam at the end. I don't think our Christian faith should be like that. I think that we should be stronger at the end than we were at the beginning. That's what I think. And I, personally, I'm endeavoring to do that, but, um, you know, because now, well, we know more, we have more experience or whatever, but the challenges are very real now. And I'm going to give you four things to think about, and I'll tell you right off the bat, they are basic. They're basic. But I think somebody needs to hear this today. Because no matter how far we get, or how close we get to Jesus' return, we have to maintain what the Scriptures say. All right, so finishing well. I'm going to give you four things to think about to finish well. And there, there are four things, one for each verse, 15, 16, 17, and 18. The first thing is this. Remember your church family. He, in verse 15, greet the brethren. What brethren? I don't have any brothers up there. Yeah, you're, you're spiritual brothers. Greet the body of Christ. Get connected to the body of Christ. Get involved with the body of Christ. Greet the Laodiceans. Greet Nympha and the church that's there. This is the best advice I think the Holy Spirit could give anybody. Get plugged into a church and stay put until Jesus comes back. (laughs) You know, stay in church. Let me encourage you here. Stay in church. Get on the live streams. Those on the live stream, good for you. Get on the Zoom meetings. Get involved with sisterhood and brotherhood, young adults and kids ministry. Get involved with what's going on in the church. And I'll tell you right off the bat, no church is perfect. Every church I ever knew had problems in it. Read the epistles. They're loaded with problems. But they were powerful churches too. For me and Pamela, we've been here 15 years now in Haverhill. And when we came here in 2007, 2008, 2009, those early years, there weren't a whole lot of evangelical churches to choose from. But now the whole spiritual landscape has changed a lot. There are a lot of good churches in Haverhill, Plastow, Bradford, and community. But I want to encourage you, get plugged in to a church. Let me tell you a little bit about New Life. Our theme remains, people grow at at new life. People grow at new life. 
Can I just take a minute to go over this one more time? When we say people, we mean all people. Young people, old people, healthy people, sick people. All races, all cultures, all language groups. You know, people that are disenfranchised and people that are wealthy. What does not matter? People are, are, the, are the... People is what God loves. People, and then people grow, and that's an acronym. The G stands for gets grounded in the Word. That's why we're doing verse by verse these days. Get grounded in the Word of God. If you come to new life, you will get the Word of God. I'll guarantee it. You will get the Word of God. So you, you get grounded in the Word. You build relationships. That's the R. We're relationship building church. We, and that, that sometimes is difficult. I'll, be, I'll confess. Because sometimes iron sharpens iron, if you know what I mean. Hello? <laughs> You're laughing. I know that you know. But, you know, you know we, we build relationships. And we help families build relationships. It's important. Well, what is Paul doing through this whole letter? He's building relationship here. The O stands for outreach-oriented we are, that's why we have our missions map over there, uh, locally as well as overseas. We, we support missionaries. And, uh, and we worship with passion. G-R-O-W, grounded in the word, build relationships, outreach-oriented, and worship with passion. People grow at NLC. Let me be a little bit, bit more specific. We are an evangelical church. We believe in the mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We believe that. We're a Pentecostal church. As you saw this morning, Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 12, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. We're a fundamental church. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. It says what it means and it means what it says. And we're also a studious church we're a sincere church. We, 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 we take our faith really seriously. So here's number one. If you want to finish well in life, get involved in a church and stay put. I was thinking about this uh, during the week. There was a brother down in our church. We lived in North Carolina for a couple of years. His, I don't know if you remember Mr. White. Um, Mr. White was an elderly gentleman, always wore a suit back in those days. He never had an office. He never was a pastor, but he was a strong Christian man. And he prayed for us many times and talked to us. And I always thought, you know what? When I'm really old like that, I want to be like Mr. White. I want to be faithful to my church. And that church went through some changes, but he was always there. He was always supportive, always praying for the pastor and so forth. So my, 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 my best advice for you, if you want to finish well, get involved in a church. Number two is this. This is really important too. Stay in the Word. I know it's an understatement, but stay in the Word of God. Verse 16. So we do, we, we're doing the verse-by-verse study. We're doing Wednesday night verse-by-verse. First uh, Samuel's going really well. Uh, I would encourage you, though, beyond that, get, get your, your Bible apps, your different apps for uh, concordances or Bible dictionary or uh, devotional books and so forth. Become a student, a student of the Word, because that will help you carry, get carried through the difficulties in your life. I can't tell you, I mean, just by being alive, we all go through conflict. We all go through turmoil. We all go through stuff. But the Word of God gives us a foundation that we can get through this onto the other side. 
See, without the church and without the word, I'll tell you what, I would not want to live without the church and without the word of God. I wouldn't want to do, knowing what I know now, oh my goodness. That would be, that would be like, I'm done. But know the word, study the word. Um, Psalm 119, verse 9. It says that the word of God, I'll just paraphrase this, is a cleansing agent. You know, sometimes we pick up a little dirt in life. We pick up a little immorality in life. We pick up a little uh, anger or whatever. But it says that uh, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word? So the word of God is a cleansing agent. It purifies our heart and our mind and our soul. I don't know about you. This life out here is crazy sometimes. And if you're working in it, if you're shopping in it, if you're, you know, your family's in it, sometimes that stuff gets over. We just need to get cleansed by the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says to renew your mind. I would just encourage you, if you feel oppressed by everything, and I, you know, I feel like that sometimes, just get oppressed just by life. Get alone and read the word of God. For like a half an hour. Read the word of God. Don't even think about anything else. Just read the word. Let the word cleanse your heart and your mind and your soul. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word, you know this one, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Lord, which way do I go? Follow the word. Listen to his voice. Look for the lamp and the light that he's showing you. Look for the road signs along the way. He'll show you. Psalm 119, 162 says that the word of God is a source of, of joy and a great treasure. I, I see these, uh, I read these stories about Christians in other countries. They have like, they have a little piece of paper with a scripture on it, like this big. And they cherish it. They don't have a whole Bible like we do. They don't have Bible apps like we do. They have a little scripture, someone scribbled down on a piece of paper, and they cherish the word of God because it brings joy and hope to their soul and to their spirit. I don't know about you, but last week or the week before when we started shooting down balloons in the sky, I got a little concerned about that. I don't know what that's all about. All I know is I got to get into the word of God and let the word of God be my buffer with all the craziness out there. Amen. Amen. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, study to show yourself approved by God as a workman who rightly divides the word of truth. The the Bereans in Acts 17, they're listed as the Bereans were more noble than the rest. Because when they heard Paul speak, they went back home and got their scriptures and looked up what he said and made sure it lined up with everything else in the word of God. Listen, do that with me. If I'm wrong on something, somebody tell me. Uh, you know, but, but study the Word of God. Become a student of the Word of God. Okay, so if you want to finish well, get into a church, get into the Word of God. Here's another one from verse number 17. Remember Archippus. Everyone say his name with me. Come on. Archippus. Come on, everyone say it. One, two, three. What a name. What a name. But like John Mark, he's singled out. He's called out. You say to Archippus, take heed. You know, you found your purpose, your calling. Do it with all that you have. 
I, I would encourage you, church, think about your dreams and your ambitions. Think about what you, maybe you thought you might do maybe 10 years ago. And maybe it never came to pass and you kind of said, oh, well, can I just say something? Maybe, maybe it's time to resurrect that idea. Maybe it's time to get alone with God and say, Lord, what, what is my purpose? What do you want me to do? What is, what is my passion? Uh, and I want you to think about these gifts that come from God. They are, they are from the Lord. You know, he says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. And I want to focus on this for a minute. Maybe it's because I've been there before. But you can't let negative self-talk defeat your purpose or to prevent you from doing what you really know you should be doing. Like you may start thinking too much about something. Sometimes you think too much and, and you get yourself, you talk yourself out of doing it. <laughs> That's not a good thing. We can't let negativity you know, stall us out. We can't let people's lack of support stall us out. Sometimes I, I, I'm like that, like, I want someone to, but then I realize, well, wait a minute. This is my thing. God's calling me. I got to go forward in spite of the lack of support, if that's the case. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's insecurity. Maybe somebody in your life way back in the day said, you're never going to amount to anything. And you carry that with you into the church. And you, you're in the church and you hear the word of God and you hear all these things are possible. Yet in your own heart, in your own mind, you're saying, but I can't do that. It's a lie. Remember Archippus, whatever he was doing, Paul singled him out. Listen, you say to Archippus, remember your calling. You got this from God. Fulfill what the Lord called you to do. Among other things, this is not all for church Life, In other words, it's not always for a pastor or an evangelist or whatever. I'm talking about whatever your gifting is. You know what? Your gift might be being a parent. In my experience, my kids are growing up, but I'm still their parent. Right, Stacey? <laughs> now I got grandkids. That's my most important ministry. And I have to fulfill my calling. You gotta fulfill your calling, whatever it is. You're a worker somewhere, you, you, you got your education and your profession, you're there, and you're there to do a good work for that particular thing, but you're really there to be a light for the Lord. We talked about this one, one time. You know, uh, holiness in the workplace. But you're, you're there to, to, to be a light for the Lord. God put you there to be a light for Him. You know, my store, one of my past jobs, in addition to cleaning the dog kennel, but that was early. I, I worked in a prison for a couple of years. I was a Christian, new Christian. I worked in the prison. Went behind the locked gate. It was, they called it a gun camp. They, the uh, guards had guns. And, and many times I say, Lord, what am I doing in, in the prison? <laughs> you know, I was a counselor. But he said, really, what you're doing is you're being a light for me. And he was absolutely right. I shared the gospel so many times with those inmates. It was amazing. But whatever God called you to do, do it with all your heart. It may not be for a lifetime. It may be for a season. There may be something else God has for you to do after this. But whatever you're in, do it with all your heart. And don't let the lie of the enemy say you can't do it. I'm here to tell you, you can do it with God's help. Philippians 4.13. Fulfill your calling. And then the last thing, verse number 18 I would say, 
to stay in grace. Stay in grace. Somehow, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, By grace you've been saved through faith. Uh, it's not of works, not by yourself. It's, it's a gift from God, lest you would boast. Somehow, as we get going along further and further in our walk with God, the work of grace becomes less, and the work of our own works becomes more. And that's the recipe for a disaster. Because we, we can't allow that to happen. We have to stay in grace. Pull, I mean, we, we need to do good works, but our good works aren't going to save us. We do good works because we're saved, not to make us saved. But, but stay in the grace of God. Stay under the covering of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I won't read the whole thing, but Paul is talking about uh, how he had this thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times, Lord, take it away from me. I don't want this thorn in my flesh anymore. And the Lord basically said, no. And uh, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, I, I think at this point in my life, I can, I can realize there's some things in my life that may not ever change. But God's grace covers me and sees me through. I mean, we try to do our best, but like I said, it's not works. It's the grace of God. Whatever you're dealing with, stay under grace. Trust God for the victories. Trust God for the direction and guidance that you need. His grace is sufficient. Paul concludes that passage by saying, paraphrase, I'd rather be weak in my flesh and be strong in my spirit than be strong in my flesh and lose the anointing of God. And that's the balance that we see in the scripture. We, we try to do so good, and we should do the best we can be. But ultimately, we're always going to be covered by grace because we're never going to really be perfect in this life. We're getting through this life onto the other side. So in conclusion, the, to, in order to finish well, get into church. Get into the Word of God. Know your calling or your gift and do it for the glory of God. And stay in grace. Be known as a person that stays in grace. Jesus asked a rhetorical question one time. He said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he really find faith on the earth? And I think if you stay in church, if you stay in the Word, if you know your calling and you stay under grace, I think you'll stay in faith. And when Jesus burst on the scene you'll be ready to go with him. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Uh, we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 8. And then I'm going to ask you some questions and then we're going to have a baby dedication. So let's read this together if we can. It's up, up there on the screen. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing.
That verse number seven, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. That begins today. And just incidentally, you don't see it on here, but the next verse of scripture, which I, it's not meant to be funny, but I see a little bit of humor in it. After all, Paul is proclaiming some great truths here. The very next verse, he says, Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. I mean, he's saying all this stuff, I've done it all. I've done it all. I still need a person in my life. I still need a friend in my life. I still need someone that could relate to me, someone I could talk to. I've done all that. It's all good. It's all right. I'm ready to go. But I, Timothy, come see me. Isn't that just the way the Lord is? The Lord is telling us to run this race, do all these wonderful things, but stay in touch with each other. That's what this is all about. So let me just, if you every head bowed for just a moment, please. Every head bowed for just a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. there's someone here this morning that feels like you just want to surrender it all to the Lord. Yeah. You know, you may be around the cross. The Lord wants us on the cross. Did everyone get that? We may be around the cross. He wants us on the cross. 
He wants our flesh to die that we might live for him. Anyone like to receive Jesus before we close out here? Anyone need special prayer about being a good servant of the Lord? My hand is up. I need prayer for that all the time. Well, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for your word, which really spells out clearly how we could finish well in this life. Lord, let us get plugged into a church and get us plugged into the word of God. Let us fulfill that calling that you put on our hearts to do. And let us always stay under grace, O God. As we sing often, your grace is sufficient for us. Hallelujah. So Lord, I pray for the congregation. I pray for those online today. That we would all feel refreshed and renewed in your presence today. Realizing that you paid the price on Calvary. And now we believe and now we are commissioned to walk out our faith in real life, in real time. So, Lord, may your blessing be upon the congregation today, throughout this week, throughout this season, in a very special and very powerful way. Father, we want to close by saying a prayer for that revival down in Asbury, Kentucky. We pray, Lord, your blessing upon that move of your spirit. Let it accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. And may it spread all across the country. Lord, we've been praying for revival for a long time. Maybe this is it. Let your will be done, Lord, with that. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that one more time if we can. said. Amen.